From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt. This is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, how are you today? I'm looking forward to this episode because we have a guest. I'm doing good, Steve. And yeah, it's great when we have guests. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm uh, glad that uh, we're able to be back. And and you know, we we uh, I think we uh, there's there some some friends that uh, that uh, get together to have a podcast that is very both. Um, interesting and and um i think entertaining and also very relevant to the av industry they're called the av super friends and we have one of them with us today and his name is mark colon cole i screwed that up <laughs> cola wasinski i'm so yeah. sorry <laughs> no it's fine if you're if you were to got it the first time you'd have been like that real elite club of folks that i'm not even in so well, I will try again on the next one, but it's great to have you, Mark. And he is the Associate Director of Academic Technology and Technical Services at Morgan State University. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. So it's been, I've heard of you guys for a couple of shows. So I guess I'm, I'm up. I'm, I'm next up, next batter. So let's, let's do it. Excellent. Excellent. And um but we've had Larry Darling with us in the past, and he's been a great guest mm -hmm. and uh, glad to have you with us and uh, um, really enjoy the work that you and uh, the others do on your show. Um, we, we would kind of like to start uh, by giving our audience a little bit of background on our guests and give them a chance to talk a little bit about themselves, their AV journey, and and of course, uh, the, the their uh, relevance to uh, AV programming, You know what, where, where that comes into play. Uh, because we are asked the programmer. <laughs> clever, clever name. Um, well, I will get my my large life story out here and open it up for you all. Um, I, like many people, many AV got started when um, I got my first Nintendo system. <laughs> I had to hook that thing up and we all had to make it all go. And I seemed to be the one that was able to make it work. And I uh, should have known then and there that I was going to be destined to be in this this industry for a long time because I was always the one that was magically able to make those consoles work and could even do like all the little secret things with the cartridges and yada 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 um, but I didn't know that was how I was gonna get an AV I think it wasn't until I made another important decision in my life when that was uh, to quit playing baseball <laughs> as a young kid I decided I was no longer gonna play baseball and I, I promise this will end up being AV at some point but um, I decided to take a summer off when I was like 12 <laughs> and so I was going to hang out with my friends and I was going to skateboard and really got into music, believe it or not, through, through, the, through those friends. And that summer, I really got into to music and punk rock music and all these things and um, fell in love with kind of music creation and writing and all of those different things. And kind of from that point on through my teens, my 20s, I was really a studio rat kind of a guy was really loved playing in the band, did that recording a lot, and, and but really loved that part of it, like the making music and tinkering with all the stuff and all the tools and just loved being in the studio. Um, and so I naturally kind of fell into that and got into live sound, you know, kind of next progression. I kind of got into touring audio and production, um, but then had an opportunity uh, to work for a school. A uh, school called me and said, hey, we have a studio. Would you like to come and work in this and help us maintain these spaces. And I said, well, why not? And I took an opportunity to not be up late at night and get home at four in the morning and uh, lifting gear and moving it all over the country because um, doing live sound is effectively working for a moving company. 
and then you get like 10% fun <laughs> to, to play, and then you get to break it all down and move it all around again. Um, so got an opportunity to work for our community college, maintaining these spaces, helping design. And that was kind of my first exposure to kind of teaching and learning technologies, like within that studio confines and assisting kind of building some of the classrooms and light conferencing. Conferencing wasn't a huge thing back then, but it was it was coming on. Um, and then it kind of grew from there. I was able to, to say, you know what, maybe maybe this is something I want to explore further and got further into integration and took a position out here in Oregon State, moved across the country and started building classrooms really from nothing, you know, just uh, back in the old component days, switchers and all the stuff and putting it all in. Um, and then kind of about five years into that journey, I was working with the team here at Oregon State and we were just growing exponentially. Uh, we never really outsourced anything. We built it all in-house in and we had myself, one other technician, a coordinator and a programmer, right? And we, we, we were building every room I and mean, we started, went from, you know, 50 rooms to 100 rooms, 200 rooms, and it just kept building and building. And so um, it was the, the end of our programmer's kind of career, and he was winding down. We couldn't really find many people, and I went to my director, and was like, you know, I really would love to, to dive in further about, like, that programming piece. It's one piece I didn't really do a lot of. I was really mechanical and was building and wiring and terminating and doing all that stuff, but I hadn't done a lot of the programming I had done DSP configurations. I don't really call it DSP programming, but configurations. Um, so I was like, but I was really interested in how all these kind of things talk. And that was that was my first real jump into the programming proper, outside of like some HTML that I'd done in school and some website stuff I've done. Um, but was only ever exposed to like maybe some Extron button panels, but this was my first jump into like full on, we're gonna do Crestron programming, we're gonna jump in, we're gonna, everything's on the table, we're gonna control DSPs, projectors, maybe some lighting, touch panels, UI, all that stuff. I had never really done it until that point. And then um, assisting our programmer as he was kind of retiring was kind of just jumping in the deep end and say, hey, let's make it all go. And so that was kind of my journey <laughs> through from baseball to AV to programming and kind of a, a little bit of a nutshell for you. Probably a lot of people can relate to that, and I think that's uh, it, it. It certainly also shows the fact that it's um, that 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 all these things come together, and programming is kind of it seems to be the icing on the cake. And I, I uh, be curious to know, and I'll let James um, jump in. You know what 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 are what were some of the things that you learned that were surprising to you when you when you picked up programming? What what were easier than you thought? What were harder than you thought? Um, I, you know, for my web design, a little bit I'd done with that and like the graphic design piece I had done a little bit through college, I enjoyed that UI piece of it. Like that was really uh, kind of why I was kind of curious about it. So if I push this button and this thing happens, right. And so, um, but learning how the machines communicated, right. So whether it be, you know, RS232 or converting hex and things like that, that was really fascinating to me that didn't really know until I jumped into it. I was like, oh my God, I got to convert all this stuff and like figure all this math back out and all that. And so um, while it, it wasn't impossible for me, it was it was definitely one of those things that I didn't quite see coming, like that that whole piece of it. Um, and to some, maybe it's harder than others, but um, it was, I can think it was, it was good to kind of dive into that and kind of brush off some of those other conversion pieces of my mind that maybe I haven't used in years. James, uh, I, I know that your um, your your entry to uh, programming 
and and AV was also a little bit unique. You didn't come to it for more from the design standpoint, but I think you probably got a taste for that later on. Um, where, what do you, uh, which do you think is, um, is more conventional? Is it learning the programming and understanding the, the design side of it, or is it getting all those pieces in place and then putting programming on top of it? I would say probably more conventional is probably the latter is the design and then getting into programming. And as, as you mentioned, I came through it backwards uh, from my IT world where I dove into the programming and then got into the design aspect of it. Um, I don't think either way is completely wrong um, to each their own, however they work. they uh, It's great. Um, so I, I definitely... It's interesting to hear Mark's story is one for someone who doesn't really call himself a programmer, but does some programming here to know that DSP is not programming. It's configuring is refreshing because I don't even, I hear programmers call it programming. Yeah. Uh, so that was very refreshing, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, a great story. And like Steve said, many of us have similar paths. Yeah, and it wasn't like this real clean line, right? And so I, I had done like the exposure to programming when I thought I was really interested in that back in high school. I did like C plus and all that, and I was like, cool, I could I could do that. I can make like really fancy Mad Libs and things like that, and do some basic pieces. And I did like my fair amount of web design and graphic stuff. And but um, you know, being just kind of inclined to to pick up equipment and tinker and want to put it all together, but knowing that there's a way that you can make all these things holistically like serve an experience more elegantly right and so and that was really why i wanted to know more is that i knew like you could put the best of everything you want out there in a space but if the user can't do it and make it work to, to have success it's really it doesn't matter right so and then knowing that my instructors and students and in spaces needed to have success but at the same time my team to deploy right it's like how can i get and know that we're doing this and i and that was my my kind of mantra is i just wanted to know how to to make this more seamless and elegant and know what i should do and what i shouldn't do <laughs> because i think that was really key too is that I, i'd seen some things that maybe were asked of us as a department like hey make this work and working with our old programmer at the time, Albert Bergel, and I'm watching him like beat his head off the wall, trying to make things work that like really shouldn't have been in that system to begin with. And things kind of all trickled down to him at that last moment before commissioning. And here he is up all night, like figuring out converting, trying to get things to just do basic pieces. So I knew there was a right and a wrong way to go from like a systems design element and sometime knowing what we can and can't do like that that mechanical sympathy for our organizations what we should and shouldn't do to get the max out of it like i wanted to know you know what was the the, the best path to have success for our team right and i really looked at programming that way like what does that mean and what is that experience how did you go about doing that with your limited knowledge as you mentioned your programmer was on the verge of leaving you kind of got into here um, to help out and take over when he left. So how do you actually develop that for your team? Like, did you go to training? Do you get resources? Like, how do you build that knowledge? So I went off 
you know, I, I had done kind of self-trained Extron stuff coming out of community colleges and, and basic into a basic four-year institution, but then moved into a Crestron house, you know, and I don't, people use those different badges however they want to, but primarily we're a Crestron house. And at the time we were, um, so I asked them, I'm going to go off and do 100 level training. And, you know, those first trainings are really like salesy in, in a lot of ways. And you kind of, you get burned off through that. And I remember when I went, before I went, my programmer, Albert, he's like, you're going to come back and you're going to make my life miserable. Right. You're going to think you know how to do all this stuff and you're going to come back and I'm going to have to clean up everything you do. And he was right. Right. And, and it wasn't it wasn't from a bad place, but I was trying to offload this stuff to keep our organization moving. Um, but kind of going through it, I was like, man, this is this isn't hard by any means, but there's a way that we can do this in a standard way. And I think when I first kind of got out, I really wanted to set uh, an opportunity for us to have like a standard template to design from. Uh, so I'd be like, oh, we want to have common join numbers. We want to have all this common stuff. So like th this kind of programming kit would make sense. And I did a lot to kind of take everything he has done over the years and kind of start distilling that, like, here's how we approach this most often. So this button's always this number. This, you know, this block is always that. And I kind of distilled that in. And that was a really good primer for me to really crash into doing some more complex stuff, like that wasn't just like single button on off or the basic stuff you do in training, but some of the more advanced pieces, maybe we're doing page flips and things like that, but try to put that in a way that we could replicate that because I knew that it wasn't going to be me in the end, ultimately doing it anyway, but we were going to bring in additional resources. And I didn't want to just say, well, here's a bunch of different random programs. Good luck, figure it out. I wanted to have some level of standardization around it. So that was one of my first kind of, I'm not going to say gig, but kind of, tasks I took on myself was try to get this down into a standard template that we could use to build, uh, you know, a couple different room types off of. So I really set out like starting at like the spreadsheet number, like here's the spreadsheet, here's the button name, here's the, the number, here's where it goes and, and really started like tackling programming through more of like signal flow, right? My programming really took this like signal flow process from, and it all started like that, that basic point up front, much like I would like a big audio system or a video system, just kind of working through that, that linear way. Um, but I wanted to standardize it the best I could so that we could replicate that. And that was kind of how I got into doing some more complex pieces. I think that that's probably a good thing for us to elaborate on too. I, I, I really like that conversation because that's something that I've invested in. And I think that there's a lot of power in that. I, I, I want to ask you kind of a more uh, intriguing question before we get into that. And maybe we'll, we'll share, we'll save that topic for our next episode. But how often do you share with people your knowledge of programming when you're talking to them about system design and functionality? Um, and, and because I think that from your perspective, by keeping that maybe close to your vest, you, you could hold people accountable by telling them you know, what, what you're telling me can be done because I know it can. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's a, a, an interesting um, avenue to take by being able to have that um, that skill set and that knowledge uh, of what a, what programming can accomplish. Yeah. And, and I definitely don't claim to, to have all the answers for any of it. Um, and, you know, I, we have other programmers here that I work a lot with. Our, you know, our programmer, we have Jason now, um, and we've kind of built him, and he's, he's great. Um, but I've tried to be open. Even everything I have, like, <clears throat> you can go get our, our basic, you know, our code anywhere. Like, there's nothing proprietary or weird about it. Um, but to me, it was more just I'll hold it close to my vest if I need to. I don't, we don't deal with a lot of custom outside programming here. Um, and so 
yeah, I have had to say to people like, no, I, I know how to accomplish this when <laughs> if you're submitting and it's been valuable when dealing with outside organizations, you know, you know, here's how I want things to, to be laid out from a, from a programmatic standpoint. Here's how our folder structure looks and here's why, right? Here's our naming convention because here's why, here's what it means from our, our data aggregate aggregation piece on our back end. So this is how we're telling this story to our admins. It's not just how we want the things to turn on and off in the room, but it, it all rolls up, right? We're all telling this data story. And I think that's where it gets really intriguing. How do we take the analog experience and coalesce that into this like larger environment for our organizations and institutions that like, hey, this is the data that's going on in the learning space, right? It's not just the data in the machines, but the people become part of that data. And that was really a lot of my, of my fascination as well. If people are doing these things, like we should be able to measure and capture that as well. I, I think that that's probably a good place for us to to wrap this one up. I, I think this is a great, great to have you as part of the conversation and, and get to know you better, Mark. Um, how can people get in touch with you um, and learn more about uh, what you're doing at Oregon State as well as learn more about the AV Super Friends podcast? Um, AV Super Friends is probably the way to get me the fastest if you want to get me there outside of my name and last name, which is too complicated for people to actually get. Um, you can also follow me at uh, the AV Diplomat on X now uh, at avsuperfriends.com. Catch us on there. Um, you can correspond. If you have questions specifically around this, go ahead and reach out to me there. Or on LinkedIn, you can search for me, Mark Kolozinski. I know it's not the easiest thing to find, but dig around. I'm on there somewhere, and I will respond that way as well. Excellent. Um, thanks for being with us. James, how can, how can people get in touch with you, learn what you're up to? And if you had any uh, takeaways or, or final words on this episode, uh, why don't you share them? Uh, thank you, Mark. And uh, I guess you can say one last comment at a, at between the AB Super Friends who are better programmer. You are Larry. <laughs> no. uh, we'll Probably go be Larry. There. We'll start that battle. <laughs> so. uh, but you can Google me. You'll find me. I'm uh, Ensign Hepma. Uh, X with AV underscore James King, LinkedIn. I'm out there. You can find me. Uh, thank you again, Mark. Thank you. And for me, you could find me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. You could find my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. But what's most important is where you could find us, the programmer. And that's uh, on your favorite podcast player, on YouTube, and uh, also on the social uh, social network, formerly known as Twitter. And uh, uh, AV Programmer Pod. So please check those out. And uh, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to have more guests like Mark uh, on the show. We'd like to know uh, what you think about this episode and others and continue these conversations. Please uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. And uh, we'd uh, like to be able to ensure that our content is hitting the mark. So we'd uh, really appreciate any feedback you could provide. And until next time, this has been Ask the Programmer.